wrapping up season two. If you've been with us so far, it's been it's been a journey. It's been fun. It's been a conversation. We've had uh, several guests. Rebecca, one thing I'm learning, and I don't know if the, the listeners agree, seems like uh, the episodes are really good when we have someone else on. We're we're not maybe. <laughs> We're not, we're not the star of the show. Our guests are always the star of the show. Maybe we need more guests. Well, it definitely makes less work on our part, too. I, I enjoy the learning and the listening I get to do. So um, I'm all for that. Yeah. So today, this final episode of season two, we're just going to recap just from our our experience looking back at the episodes we recorded, what, what's been our takeaways and maybe this will be a reminder to you, or maybe you didn't listen to all the episodes. You can go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. But the the whole thrust of season two has been this idea of the uncomfortable middle, that there are there's ditches that we can get into on almost every single topic in missions, evangelism, discipleship, church planting. But what we feel like is the healthy faithful way forward is in the middle. And what we have to do is we have to hold these things in tension. And it's uncomfortable because there's people on each side who are saying, oh, why don't you commit to our camp? Or why don't you commit to our camp? But I don't think that's the Jesus way. I think the Jesus way is in the middle and embracing both of these these things. So that's been the thrust, Rebecca. Before we actually start going through episodes um, because we'll have to remember who and what we've done. What What is one primary takeaway that you're like, hey, this was super helpful for me. Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it's something a guest said or just a concept or idea. Uh, well, as I go back and think about all that we have covered, one of the great pieces is all the resources that have been mentioned and talked about. And um, again, I'll say over and over in my life, I'm a constant wanting to learn more and um, so the resources really help and being able to hear these different guests and um, hearing their stories and um, being able to, you know, pick up new things. And I think as I listen to guests, I really was um, reminded of the spirit, how we have to be the led by the spirit. And it isn't, you know, this is the best practice and all of us need to be doing it. But as um, the spirit leads, that's what we need to be involved in and doing. And the and another big peak takeaway for me was the church, you know, and how important it is to not do this alone, but being out um, doing it with others. How about you, Bud? What what are what was a big takeaway or something that you really remember? Yeah, I just re- remember the discussion related around evangelism and social justice. We we talked a lot about evangelism in a sense of you know, Muslims, Hindus, but really the episode that we, we talked about, how do, how do we live in this balance of gospel proclamation and gospel demonstration? Because I think for people in the diaspora who are engaging the unreached, most people aren't yet to the point where they're having to make decisions of what churches look like. They're having to decide what does it look like to hold this balance of gospel proclamation and gospel demonstration. So it was just super helpful for me because like the idea of this uncomfortable middle, I think we all skew to one direction or the other. I probably skew more toward gospel proclamation and it's it's not an, an excuse. And I think one of the things that we talked about is if that is who you are and that is your leaning, 
perhaps that is your gift to the body of Christ, but you can't neglect the needs of people. That just means we need to mobilize people to meet needs. And in the diaspora, we have this this huge resource called the local church that may not have people who are comfortable, equipped, or even encouraged to share the gospel with Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, or Sikhs. But I, I would say every church is encouraging their people to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to to meet needs. And so thinking about like as a cross-cultural worker, we we can hold those things in, in balance. Um, and, and perhaps someone is on the other side and they just default to meeting physical needs, then they probably need to grow some, but they can just partner with someone who does have that and, and we can work together and together we're in the uncomfortable middle. Maybe it's not that each individual has to rest in that, that, that we, God made us unique. He's given us unique calls and roles and that's not a bad thing. Which, I mean, that's what I mean when I talk about the church. You know, it's just so much a part of who we all are in coming in and doing this together. You said something earlier, but and I just kind of wanted to bring it back up. Um, Tell me a little more when you said ditches, um, when we're talking about this uncomfortable middle. Yeah, so maybe I'll just paint a picture analogy. You're you're driving down the road, and we know that there's lines on the road that kind of guide us where to go. And what happens when we end up going past those lines or those boundaries? We end up in the ditch, meaning it's no longer the road. You've probably damaged your vehicle. It's not good. Well, I think in the realm of, uh, I guess the word would be orthopraxy, like orthodox practice that we have some lines in the road, but what happens is whenever we get this one concept, one idea, one theological truth that is, is, is accurate. What it does is like our car needs an alignment. It pulls towards the ditches when you don't have the opposing view in hand. That's also potentially a biblical truth or best practice it pulls us into the ditch and we get damaged. Mm-hmm. We we damage the people we're trying to reach. We're, we're damaging our other brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to pull us out of the ditch. And we're like, no, we love being in the ditch. And we're like, no, you're, you're actually doing harm. Uh, so I don't know if that, that does a good job of painting the picture, but that's the whole idea of this uncomfortable middle is it's, we have all of these things pulling on us. We have theological truths in the Bible that seem to be opposed to one another but God presents them as they are, and it's not our fault. It's it's not God's fault. We just have to hold them in tension because our minds are finite, and we think these two things are opposed to one another, but God says they're really not, or he wouldn't have presented because he's not a God of confusion. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, as you're talking about that, also think about how I can get stuck, and I can get stuck in that ditch, um, and you know, my tires can keep spinning, but I'm just stuck. So, um, and that it's an important piece to be able to see that opposing or that opposite, um, side and be learning and growing, um, again, never be stuck in one place, but always moving ahead. Yeah. I think the, the polarizing nature of just the, where we find ourselves, we make it really difficult to hear people that oppose us Mm -hmm. and we think we're right. Like every, everyone thinks they're right or they wouldn't think the way they do. 
But I think maturity is at least hearing people from the other side and saying, okay, I at least understand your perspective. And whenever there's biblical truth in that and the Holy Spirit is leading us, I just trust that people who are in the ditch will get moved more towards the center. And they may be right center or they may be left center, but they're not in the ditch. And that, I think that's the key is we just want to see things move forward. We don't want to see people in the ditch, their tires spinning. It's like um, they're just not seeing God, God move. And it's like, well, are you blaming God? Or could you at least look at how and what you're doing and saying, reevaluate what I'm doing? Because one thing I think is really it happens a lot, but I, I really want to caution people is like when they're trying to reach an unreached people group and like, yes, they're hard to reach. They're unreached for a reason. They're spiritual strongholds, but they say things like, well, it's just, maybe it's just not God's time for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're blaming God for people going to hell. And there's some theological things to unravel in that. But before we get to that point, can we at least evaluate our, our dogma our, our practice, our methods and saying, is it something I'm doing that could potentially be, be the issue? Um, before I start, you know, they don't really do it this way. They're pointing their finger at God and say, well, God, it's your fault that these people are, are unreached. And I'm like, well, I think God has made the way, the path he's paid everything. He's done everything that's needed to be done. Um, I don't, I don't want to go in that direction. I want to, I want to evaluate what I do which I hear you say that let's be obedient to what God's called us to do and leave the timing and the, when it's all going to happen up to him and the ways it's going to happen as well. All right. Well, bud, let's talk again. Let's review some of the things that we've um, discussed um, this season. It's been a full pack season and I I foresee that we're going to be coming back to some of these topics again. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we, we started with just talking about the big picture. Like what is, if you, if you remember from the second episode, really the first episode after the introduction was, uh, what, what is the pattern in the Bible? And we talked about, you know, going to people, proclaiming the gospel, discipling people, planning churches, raising up leaders. But there, there's one thing I just want to reiterate in that is I just, the more and more I think about this, I want to use biblical language and I'm, I'm growing in this, but talking about what, what is a missionary versus an apostolic worker. Haradi Jews are some of the most unreached people in the world, but God is moving in this community and we sense that the time is ripe to increase our efforts to reach them with the good news. The key to this outreach is prayer. We invite you to journey with us into the world of the Haradium and to meet Haradi men and women, as well as the believers who serve them, and to join us in the critical work of prayerful intercession. Start learning and praying with us today with a free digital download, or you can request a free copy at upgnorthamerica.com forward slash resources. But talking about what, what is a missionary versus an apostolic worker, and I think it's important that that term is, you know, dear to me because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of what a missionary is. We want to let the Bible define that, but there's lots of terms that we use that are extra biblical. And when we don't attach a definition, whoever is listening attaches their own definition and there's misunderstanding. And so I think that was something that was really important that, that I felt like I needed to communicate in that episode is to the best of our ability, let's think about biblical language. 
you know, missionary versus um, apostolic worker. You know, I say apostolic worker because people get really uncomfortable if I just say apostle and they're like, what? Like, yes, there's been misuse of that word and a lot of abuse around it and misunderstanding. Um, but I think that's that was one thing I, I had to remember back to, but I, I thought it was important. Well, I even someone laughed at me this last week when I was saying the word missionary, and I thought how I need to change my vocabulary back to that apostolic worker. You know, it is such a great term and biblical term where we had mentioned it. You know, it's not missionary is not in the Bible. Yeah, I've heard an, an, an alternative, uh, a friend of a friend of mine, just uh, she's 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 a dear, dear friend. Uh, her Her kids have lived in Central Asia, just a prayer partner, prayer warrior. She always talks about our sent out ones which really is exactly what the word apostolic worker is. It's, the, it's just our sent out ones. And so if you're more f- comfortable with that, that's more biblical than the missionary actually is. And it's definitely a lot easier for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had the intro or the big picture. And then after we um, talked about the big picture, we jumped into prayer, which is the foundation. I think, um, just being reminded that um, we can't do anything that we do um, without basing it in prayer. Um, so I really enjoyed that ap- episode. And again, I think we could do a whole season on prayer and the strategies of prayer. Um, it's very dear and um, means a lot to me. So um, I enjoyed that discussion. We went on then to talk about connecting with people. And we also had an interview with someone and had some very creative way she was connecting with people and sharing Christ with people. I loved that interview with Haley. Yeah. Haley is a great example. The The thing is though, is we, we know that there are dozens and dozens of people and examples doing that. And, and we just want to hold that up and say, Hey, this is really good. Like we don't, we don't have every answer. The Lord may be giving you an idea of a creative way to connect with people from an unreached people group. Um, pursue it. Hmm. Uh, try, try it. This, this is the thing that sometimes a phrase that we use a lot in, in our network is it's okay to fail forward. Meaning if you think this is a good idea, just do it. If you fail, you're not really failing. You're learning, but you're, that's why failing forward. I, I'm going forward in, in a failure, but even looking at failure differently of saying this wasn't a failure. It was a learning experience. And I think we would like to hear from people and I love for people to put in, um, reach out and contact us in ways that they're seeing God work in creative ways and new ways um, through di- diaspora. I'd love to hear more stories like Haley's. Absolutely. So what were the next topics, Bud, that we discussed? Yeah, we talked about which I already mentioned, like the the balance between social justice, evangelism, demonstration, proclamation. Uh, that was a good conversation, and then we moved on to just a general topic conversation about evangelism and methods and and bridges. Uh, you know, again, all of these things could be ep- not just episodes, but seasons in themselves. So we're just touching the surface, and perhaps you can look at it in this way if if you're listening and you're like. I need about four more episodes of this topic. Just share that with us because uh, at this point, we're, we're just 
brainstorming and thinking what what potentially is going to connect with a need people are having. But we would really love to hear from from you um, of what is beneficial. And then along with that best methods and bridges we had on Fouad Mastery from the Crescent Project, uh, really sharing about, you mentioned resources, sharing about a great resource. Crescent Project has created all kinds of great resources with sharing with Muslims, but just so many stories that he told of, of interacting with Muslims, seeing them come to faith, experience truth, reading the Bible in North America, across Europe, and in the Middle East. Uh, that was such an encouraging um, interview with Fouad. And as I want to kind of bring up, even for this episode, another resource um, that I've come across that people may be aware of, but I came across after listening to Fawad about sharing with Muslims, a resource on a Bible study, looking at Muslims and um, how to begin just to see Muslims through the scriptures. And we also had an interview with someone on Hindus, Ken Roberts which was really encouraging. I think he's up in your area of the woods in Texas. Yeah. Ken, Ken is just ha- has an amazing I- experience. Um, I- honestly, there's probably a lot of people who listened to that podcast and it was a lot of foreign information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this is a brother that's been around Hindus for, you know, a decade or more, I think 12, 12 years working, seeing, seeing fruit. And in the diaspora, I would say the primary place that we have the ability to grow is our engagement with Hindus. Um, you know, there's some people that are seeing traction with Muslims. We have some things figured out of how to really bridge and contextualize well with, with Hindus. It's still, it's a challenge for multiple reasons. One is, it's, it's not a Abrahamic faith. We have no similar starting point. Um, it's an Eastern religion. Two, just the way they think of spiritual things are entirely different. But he talked about this as just how diverse India is and Hinduism is. As Hinduism is, wasn't even a religion you know, prior to the British colonizing India. They put them in this box, really a box that that was never purposed to be. And so then we have this title Hinduism and I've just learned from experience connecting with Northern Indians versus Southern Indians. I have to have a different approach. Uh, Northern Indians are much more religious. I can talk about guru Yeshu and how I'm a follower of guru Yeshu. But if I say that to a Southern India, they're like, we don't follow a guru. <laughs> like it's, it's totally misses the point. So like a Gujarati or a Hindi speaker, one approach works a little bit better. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm practicing, but someone from like Hyderabad, it's totally different, um, way, way of connecting and just starting to try to bridge. So I think that's the other challenge is there's just so much diversity in, in the Hindu, um, community in the diaspora. If you're in India, you kind of get like, I'm in Gujarat, you're kind of working among a homogenous unit, or at least a couple, you get into the diaspora and you get into a, a city where there's maybe a hundred thousand Hindus, but 30,000 are from Gujarat, 20,000 are from Mumbai. You have 30,000 from Hyderabad. And then they're all congregating together some, but they work together, they shop together. And if that's your points of entry, you don't really know who you're talking to mm-hmm. until you develop a relationship. Well, I know a lot of my um 
relationships with Hindus here in the States and North America um, has been there. They're also have higher paying jobs and sometimes harder to reach because they don't seem as needy as maybe some um, people coming in. Now, not all, but some, a number of them are. And so the importance of people in their professions, um, knowing how to share with a Hindu, um, I guess it brings back to that. We probably need to do some more um, teaching and looking at Hindus, and especially in the diaspora setting. Yeah. And then another episode, and I think this was uh, one that's really important. As I mentioned, a lot of people, whenever we think of uh, like the phase of engagement among the diaspora, you know, definitely we're seeing people come to faith. A lot of workers who are American are still in the gospel sharing phase. Maybe they've only seen one or two people come to faith or maybe none. But we talked about the urgency of short-term discipleship. And before you get the need for discipleship, you have to have the plan you're going to use. At least the process, you have to know, okay, what do I do when someone says yes? And it's going to look different based off the segment that you're working with. So, you know, we've not talked a lot about Buddhists or Sikhs, um, but I think most of the engagement in North America is Muslim and Hindu. I know very, very few people working with Sikhs. We want to wave the Sikh banner. If you want to, if you want to learn how to reach Sikhs, we can make some connections for you. Uh, same thing with Buddhists. But I think a lot of the people that are doing it just based off the size of the community and the access is primarily Muslim and Hindu. But with a Hindu not having an Abrahamic faith background, really a short-term discipleship discipleship set probably needs to start with a creation account because you have to build some foundation into their worldview. Like their worldview has to shift of, okay, there was, there was a creation. It didn't just begin and karma began and like, oh, there's, there's so much that has to shift versus with a Muslim. Um, you know, definitely there's differences in the Abrahamic story from, you know, creation to Abraham, the big rocks are kind of there. You're just clarifying the nuance between what well, this is, what the Quran says, but this is what actually, you know, the Torah, the Torah, the Bible says, and then you can build on the idea of sacrifices. And then really they're already accustomed to this idea of obedience. And so you can lean more into now, this is what we do as followers of Jesus or with a Hindu, you can do that. But I think there's a lot of need for building that, that foundation of their worldview and having having that kind of in your pocket is important. Just last night, we were um, had, a, had a new team in a part part of our city, and we're out just in an apartment complex going going door to door. And one, we meet we meet meet a Hindu, and this couple has like okay, no idea what to do. So I'm just modeling, and so like that may be you. Maybe you need someone to model. But then we find this uh, Latino lady who we share the gospel with and she's ready to repent and believe. And then we debrief afterwards because they're so new. I say, okay, now this is what has to happen. You have to follow up as quickly as possible. Like go back after, like after she has dinner, Hey, do you have an hour right now? And then that's the urgency of discipleship we were talking about, but they have to know what to do before the need arises. Mm. And it's going to look different which I think kind of goes into that other topic that we discussed was contextualization and um, well, 
well, no, also we talked about going into a church. We have to really start that discipleship before we really start to help them determine what is church going to look like for them, um, which was the next topic. Yeah, I think that's that's a very good way to say it is if if we move them to church before discipleship, they have no idea what church looks like. And then we are prescribing what it looks like. And then that that is not contextualization. That is me saying this is what you do. But as you start with the urgency of short-term discipleship, this is what it means to follow Jesus. It culminates in that short-term discipleship lesson set as this is what the body of Christ is and this is what they do. But then they dis- they discern through their cultural worldview, what does it look like to pray? What does it look like to give? What does it look like to be um, devoted to the word of God? What does it look like to break bread? What does it look like to do all the things that we know that a church should be doing without prescribing it, letting them discover it for themselves? And then they are they are saying, well, this is what it looks like for us to worship. Mm-hmm. And we just sit back and say, hallelujah. <laughs> And what a personal way for them to be able to see that on their own and how they're going to definitely be able to figure out church for themselves and not us telling them what church is to look like and to be. Um, What other topics am I missing something else? Are we missing anything that we discussed this time, this term, this season? Yeah, I think we've, we've hit the, the high, the high levels of what, what was covered in season two, uh, I don't know that we perfectly did it, but we were really just trying to present these ideas that have, you know, extremes. So you think of of gospel social justice. You have those extremes where people are going to share the gospel but not give a cup of water. You have people who are going to, you know, buy them cars, deliver them food, but never share the gospel. Discipleship, you have, oh, well, we're not going to disciple. We're going to bring them to church versus we're never going to bring them to church. You have, hey, this is how you do church versus, you know, Maybe the, the other side, people would say insider movements where there's no no distinction whatsoever from their previous religious culture, and they're just putting Jesus on top of it. You know, that's syncretism. That's that's another extreme. So we've tried to present these ideas fairly. Um, obviously, our bias has come through. We can't come to this and saying we're unbiased, but hopefully you've heard that we've been fair in presenting. Here, here are the ditches. And what we're trying to say is the way forward, the Jesus way is somewhere in the middle. And we can easily get stuck in ditches ourselves and are always working on our Jesus way. <laughs> always working on the Jesus way. I, I had a, a pastor, my, my first pastor when I came to faith, uh, he, 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 always, he always repeated this and it stuck with me. He says, he says, pride always becomes before the fall. Mm. And so if you're listening and you're like, oh, that's not me. Well, brother or sister, pride always comes before the ditch. For sure, for sure. Well, but in the big picture, we we discussed a number of phases, but we didn't really go a lot into what I'm remembering, maybe those last two phases of church planning and leadership training. Is that what we're thinking our next um, season is going to be about or where are we leaning? Yeah, well, we'd love to hear from... The listeners, if that that is a direction that we can go, if there's more tactical things we want to cover, if we don't hear from you, we're going to move into a conversation around diaspora, church planting among the unreached, and leadership development. And so what that means is as we move into that, 
what we're going to try to do is get people from an unreached people group who have come to faith, who are planting churches and developing leaders in their community. And we want to hear from them. We don't want to pretend like we have it figured out. Uh, so if we don't hear from you, that's our plan is we're going to talk about next season, church planting, leadership development, but we're going to learn from our Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and Sikh background brothers and sisters and let them inform us. And we are just going to kind of steer the ship and let people get on and off. And you get to listen in on all of those wonderful conversations. And as we've said, please, please reach out and let us know what you're interested in, what you know, what's a hot topic you'd like to hear more about. And we do pray that you'll find your uncomfortable middle, the Jesus way. And um, thank you for listening to Let's Talk Diaspora.